If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 185 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on June 11th. 2023 185 episodes guys it's 15 away from the bicentennial mark holy crap holy crap is right for those long old-time yapping yankees fans that go back the whole four years since the genesis of the show can you believe we've come this far it's actually crazy i can't believe it i mean i i expected to go pretty deep episode wise but I'm not quite sure about 200. I wanted to go at least 1, 150, but show's fun. Why stop it, man? As long as I have the time to do it, especially with this new job. So, you know, it's it's all good. 185 episodes. actually crazy. I can't wait to get to 200. I have no idea what we're going to do when we get there, but it's going to be awesome when we do. Speaking of a new job, by the way, I wanted to take a second to thank all of you, whether it be on social media or in replies after people heard the show or, you know, in the comments on any of the platforms the show is available on, regardless of where it may be, or even if you reached out personally, if you happen to have my contact information, if we're personal friends by chance, I cannot thank you enough for the overwhelming support and love I got after my announcement on last week's episode about my new job. Go back and listen to last week's episode if you missed it, but... The support that I got and the positivity that I got after I made that announcement on last week's show was wild, and I cannot thank you enough. It, it just feels really good when you get support like that. Obviously, in life, generally, you're going to get people who don't like you very much. They're just not a fan of you. Even if it's for no reason whatsoever, you're just not going to get everybody to like you ever, no matter who you are. But once you get like an overwhelming amount of positivity and support and love, it's... It's undeniably a good feeling. It really is, especially when you're making as big a career move as I am, you know, really shifting things. And, you know, there was a lot of thought that went into it. And with mostly everything in life, because life is seldom a straight path for just about anybody, there's inevitably some doubt involved, you know, along the way of life. It happens all the time. There's doubt involved. You question things. Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? Could I have done something better? You know, you look back on things. Hindsight is... Could be really good, could be detrimental, depends, but along the way, you question a lot of things, you doubt some things, and so it's really good when you get a lot of reassurance and support whenever you make a big move like I made recently. I just finished my first week at the job. It went absolutely awesome. Love it. It's a lot of fun. The work is good. I'm learning. It's awesome. All good. So again, just thank you all so much for the love and support. I really, really appreciate it. I just wanted to take a second on that. And also, just a really quick announcement before we get in here. I'm going to try to cut down all the rambling I do at the start of the show because the show's just been going so damn long lately. Not that I have a problem with it. And because I have the best listeners in the world, many of you actually managed to listen to the entire show because you guys are just that awesome. 
and I give you a lot of credit for that because it is long, and it's just me talking here, so <laughs> if you do that, then you really are a true fan, and believe me, I love and appreciate you more than I could ever even hope to put into words, but nonetheless, <laughs> I don't want to keep you here for like two hours or just under two hours every single week, so to cut down on that a bit, I'm going to cut down on the bit of rambling I do at the start of the show, but just one more main announcement I wanted to make as well. Obviously, next weekend is Father's Day, as we know. I take off for most or all of Sunday holidays now. I started that really towards like the middle or end of last season, really. And because, you know, a certain amount of episodes are done in the show and you've been doing it for a while and, you know, you work you work your ass off like I do and you want some time to breathe on weekends, especially when there are holidays. And you know I love to do this show. It serves as a great distraction from work over the weekend. It is a lot of fun. But especially when there are holidays, I like to spend time with my family. So... With the occasional Sunday holiday, I will take off. Mother's Day and Father's Day are two of those holidays, along with other holidays like Easter and whatnot. But I will be taking off again next Sunday for Father's Day. So ahead of time, I do want to wish all the dads out there a happy Father's Day, including my own. Love you to death, Dad. And it serves as a reminder, even though, yes, the father doesn't give birth, it doesn't go through the nine months of pregnancy, but I cannot state this enough for those people who happen to Forget about this sort of thing or try to ignore it, but the presence of a father and the love of a father in life is extremely important. It's a different kind of love than that of a mother's, obviously, as it should be. Mother and father, different. Different roles, you know, the whole deal. So, but I cannot state it enough just how important and vital a father's presence and love and support is in a child's life. And in a lot of ways, it's just as important as a mother's. Both the parents work together. There are two parents for a reason. And it's not to discount the mother or a mother's love whatsoever. It's equally as important. And the mother has her roles and the father has his roles. And the father is very important as well. A lot of people know that for a fact, especially those who have a good relationship with their father. Those who unfortunately do not. They probably even know as well because they they think of what it would be like probably to have a father in their life. It's very important. So with that being said, the fathers deserve just as much love on their weekend. They deserve just as much love throughout the entire year just as mothers do. But Father's Day is a good day to also act upon that, as is Mother's Day for the moms. But again, you should always treat both your parents as well as possible, especially if you're on good terms. I know that's not the case in every family, unfortunately, but especially if you are, you should be doing that throughout the entire year. But of course, you have the days when you can also give them that extra bit of attention, like on Mother's Day and Father's Day. So for next weekend ahead of time, I do want to wish all the dads out there a very happy Father's Day, and I look forward to spending the day with mine as well. And also, before we move on with the rest of the show here, I wanted to just take a couple of minutes here on Yapping Yankees to give a really quick tribute to someone who was a really good friend of mine. And we lost him in the middle of this past week. He was a fellow co-worker of mine at the radio station that I just left from the last couple of weeks. And he was the general manager of the station, a salesperson at the entire company as a whole. Helped to sign on a lot of brokered clients to do shows at the station that I was the program director and the operations manager for. And we were in constant communication every single day on the daily because we ran the whole place together. And it turns out that a case of cancer that he dealt with years ago that he put into remission returned recently. He was in the hospital for a couple of weeks and he passed away suddenly only two days after being transferred to Sloan Kettering 
for treatment. And he passed away Wednesday morning. His name was David Levenstein. And he became more than just a co-worker of mine who helped, helped me to run the radio station that we were in charge of. He became a good friend. We had a lot of laughs together. He was there for me a lot of the time. I was there for him. He was only 60 years old, taken far too soon. Leaves behind kids of his own and stepchildren and his wife. It's very sad. I just wanted to say, David, I'll miss you a lot. Thanks for always being so good to me. You were a good co-worker to have and an even better friend. And especially after officially attending your funeral yesterday, especially after already feeling it, that I will miss you. And I hope you rest in peace and watch over and guide all of us. I'll miss you, pal. Now, it is around 6 o'clock at the time that I'm taping right now, so the Yankees will be starting in about an hour from when I have started taping just a few minutes ago. I'm not sure if I will get at least first pitch in live time while I'm recording before I finish up, but nonetheless, the goal is to finish beforehand because I'd like to enjoy the game, but if I do get to react to at least, I don't know, maybe even the first half of the first inning, top of the first, while I'm taping in real time, that is all good. I do happen to know that there are a great many of you out there amongst my listenership who do enjoy listening to me react to the games in live time whenever I happen to do it on Yapping Yankees. So if I can do that for you, I will. But selfishly, I would like to just go outside my family room and enjoy the game, (laughs) if we're being honest. So we'll see what happens. But we are just waiting for the game to start in the next hour. So by the way, if you do also hear a high-frequency noise in the background, I don't know if the microphone's picking it up, to be quite honest with you. But if you do hear it, That is the TV being on in my room because I do have the Yes Network on right now. I'm going to switch over to ESPN in about a half an hour. I'm going to take a quick breather probably between segments at some point and just switch on over so that I believe there's probably Sunday night baseball or baseball tonight on on ESPN before the Yankee game starts. I'll just have that on in the background without sound. You know, I just like to have it on in the background. Cool little broadcasting effect, I guess, even though I'm not on camera. But I don't know. I just like to have it on in the background. Leave me alone. So, this past week has been filled with a lot of things for the Yankees. Biggest takeaways, of course, what we were basically left off on a cliffhanger on from last week. And it was news that basically hit us out of nowhere, especially regarding Nestor, just being hurt out of nowhere, having shoulder problems. Wondering whether or not he was going to go on the injured list, even though last week we were basically alluded to the fact, and I mentioned as much, that it seemed like he was likely going to be headed to the IL, and he in fact was, they said, No throwing at all for at least a couple of weeks, and then, of course, he's going to have to work his way back. So Nestor overall may very well be out for the better part of a month. There's no definitive certain timetable as to really when he will for sure be back, but I think they're going to be resting Nestor for some time. He can't throw for at least another week or so, to the best of my knowledge. And obviously, after you go complete cold turkey for a couple of weeks, you can't just go right back on the mound. you got to build back up a little bit. So... Nestor's gone for some time. We'll get back into that a little bit later on in the show, particularly when we're talking about the latest injury and roster news. And the captain, of course, Aaron Judge, most importantly. He was really the biggest cliffhanger because at least last Sunday, we left with the idea of really feeling like Nestor was much more likely to go to the injured list, and Judge was really just up in the air. But it turns out even he hit the injured list with a sprained toe after that 
running catch, the phenomenal running catch in Los Angeles now that some people have, I can't really blame them for saying this, but it was a really big catch and a really big moment that could have really turned the tides in the game in the Dodgers' favor if it weren't made, so you could argue that, but I also don't really blame people for saying that. Was that catch worth it? Because now you're without him for at least a couple of weeks. And the really scary thing is that whenever the Yankees have been asked about it very recently, or maybe even Judge himself, particularly Judge even added to this mysterious dialogue, but whenever they're asked about it now, it really seems like his return, his timetable, is really up in the air. They're not giving him a timetable. They're basically just saying we don't want to give it a timetable because there's some stuff going on in the in the toe and we just don't want to give any false information out or potentially wrong information out. And I do appreciate that because, listen, I'd be a hypocrite if I said I didn't like that because I'm the first one who comes on here and bashes this organization for the constant incorrect or just nonsensical injury updates that they seem to routinely come out with. So I do appreciate them being a little bit more vague about it in this sense to prevent from giving out any wrong information. But at the same time, it naturally does freak everybody out, too, because it has people thinking, oh, I guarantee it's worse than they're letting on. Who the hell knows what's going on? Is he going to be back within the month? The whole, All the thoughts just fly, because especially when it comes to judge, everybody panics, as do I. I'm not going to pretend like I don't, because we have also seen what this team, mainly the offense, turns into when judge is not around. And at that point, the main thing they have to focus on while he is on the injured list, he is on the 10-day, by the way, And he is actually going to be eligible to return within the next, I don't know, what is it, three days? By midweek. But he's not going to come back that soon. The Yankees have said as much. They said it's going to be at least a couple of weeks, so it is longer than the 10-day IL stint. Again, especially considering it was retro to June 4th, I believe it was. But the main idea is just getting by. Which, of course, as you look at the episode title, is exactly that. Because that's what the Yankees have to focus on doing right now. And this past week, it's basically been all that, just getting by. Because it has not been a great week. It's had its wins and losses. You know, win some, lose some. But even in the wins, the offense has looked (laughs) not great. And it just really reminds you of how amazing it is what this team turns into when Judge is not around. It's alarming, and maybe it's a little bit overdramatic, but... I gotta be honest, and I've said it before, the team really loses its identity without Aaron Judge on the field. It's incredible. He's still there in the dugout relaxing and hanging out and probably still talking to the guys, maybe pumping them up when they need it, which has been a lot this past week. But when he's not actually playing, the difference is astonishing. (laughs) It really is. The team is just completely different. There's a completely different feel around the entire Yankee team and the way they play when they go out there. And it's not in a good way. (laughs) It's not. It is alarming. And it really begs to question just how effective of a roster this is. Yes, the Yankees have their good guys up and down. You can pick them out one by one. But really how deep this team is and just a test of their character and their gameplay, I imagine. Because... It really is alarming when you think about it how much they rely on Judge. And yeah, it's okay to rely on him to lead, especially considering he's officially been named the captain. He should lead the way. That's his role. It's his responsibility now, as he has proudly embraced. But you can't expect the guy 
to do it all by himself, number one, because that's unrealistic to ask of any single human being. And I've said that many times before, and I still stand by that. And also, things are going to happen. It's sports. Judges are going to get hurt. People are getting hurt left and right. I would say overall health throughout this sport is at an all-time low, especially of late. And just when you think it can't get worse, the next year it looks like it gets worse every time. For what reason, whether it be the guy's body's breaking down or it be the training staff's not giving them good recommendations on what to do or not do, regardless of how you want to point the finger, where you want to point to blame, things are going to happen. And when things do happen to Aaron Judge, it's on the rest of the team to pick up the slack in his absence. It's not all up to him. It shouldn't be all up to him. It's unrealistic. Should he lead the way and be the leading force throughout this season, throughout the entire marathon? Yeah, he should, and it stinks when he gets hurt. But when he does get hurt, things happen. It's up to the rest of the guys. Glaber, Rizzo, Stanton, DJ, even Donaldson, who has just returned, as we know, within the last week, and the Yankees are relying on him to help to ease the pain of Judge's loss here. Guys like this, it's got to be on them to carry the burden of Judge's absence and to keep this team afloat until his return. The vast majority of those guys are not doing their jobs, especially as of this past week, and some of them even beyond this past week, especially a name like DJ LeMahieu, who we have mentioned a lot these last couple of weeks, which is painful for me because you know I love the guy. But you've got to call a spade a spade, and I always do that on this show. I do not let my personal feelings for a player, whether it be as a player or as a person for them, get in the way of the truth. You have to tell the truth. DJ has continued to stink up the joint. Even Rizzo's slumping lately. And we were talking about last weekend when Stanton just returned, how surprising it was that he actually looked to have a pretty decent swing upon returning after how long he was out. Well, now, as of this past week, it seems like that post-injury slump that he usually goes through has officially kicked in. Even he has slowed back down. How about Donaldson? He's been back for a little bit over a week. Yes, the sample size is very small, so please keep that in mind. As I say this, I am acknowledging that. But the guy has, and I'm not crapping on home runs, guys. You drive in runs however you can, and home runs are an epic way to do so. But there is a problem when home runs are literally the only thing that you're doing and nothing else. Because unless your name is Aaron Judge, or unless your name is Giancarlo Stanton, or as weird of a guy as I think he is, unless your name is Pete Alonzo, and Pete Alonzo does hit a lot of home runs, that's why you have to admit, even if you think he's a weirdo like I do, <laughs> he's a good home run hitter, really good. But unless you're named any of those guys or even a bunch of others throughout baseball who primarily have a lot of success based around the home run, especially when you're an aging veteran like Donaldson who has shown really the last couple of years that your bat is heavily declining, you're eventually going to run into a problem. Donaldson throughout the entire year, including in the first couple of weeks before he got injured, at the very beginning of the season, he has six hits. Five of them are home runs. The one is a single. He's not getting any hits. That's why if you care about batting average, and yes, while I do not think it is everything, but I also don't think it's meaningless, 
That's why if you do care about it, then you're you're looking at a really horrible average for him right now because literally, except for one hit, all of his hits have been home runs. Again, not crapping on the home run. Do not misunderstand me. I had a couple of people on Twitter misunderstand me when I was talking about this. Don't misunderstand. I'm not crapping on the home runs. All I'm saying is if you've decided that is literally the only thing you're going to do, and yes, it's a small sample size so far, so this could very well change even in the very near future. But if you've decided that is literally going to be the single, the sole thing you do, you're going to run into a problem eventually. Because there's only so many home runs you're going to hit, especially if you're Josh Donaldson, or at least modern-day Josh Donaldson. You talk about MVP Josh Donaldson, different story, great baseball player. But right now, there's only so many home runs you're going to hit if your name is Josh Donaldson. You're going to run into a problem eventually. You are going to. I don't care what anybody says. He wants to be hitting home runs lately. Good for him. Not crapping on it. I just really think that other parts of his game have to be incorporated and other hits need to start happening so a bigger picture can be developed here. Get some more singles. Get some doubles. Keep on with the extra base hits and drive up your slugging percentage. I have no problem with that. But other things have to be done. Can't only hit home runs and legitimately nothing else because you are going to run into a wall eventually. So, other than home runs here and there, Donaldson, and again, not crapping on the home runs, but I'm just telling the truth because it's literally in his stats. Again, granted, it's a small sample size, but other than the home runs, he's done nothing offensively. The glove is still doing fine. Defensively at third base, as expected, he's still doing fine. But the offense, if he's not hitting a home run lately, he's not doing crap. And of all the names I threw at you, maybe about the five or six names I threw at you that really need to pick up the pace in Judge's absence. Of all of those names I mentioned, Glaber's definitely doing the best of the five. He's he's keeping afloat very nicely. He's doing his thing at the top of that lineup or wherever they managed to put him. It's mainly been in the leadoff spot, which he's embraced quite nicely, I do have to say. But the rest of them, they gotta pick it up. Because getting by is what matters while Judge is out. And it's on the stars of the team after Judge, because Judge is undeniably the biggest star in the entire team obviously. So when he's out, the ones who follow him need to pick up the pace. You cannot afford to all slump at the same time. I understand throughout this marathon of a season, you're often going through certain guys slumping and certain guys being on fire. You hope for it to be as close to half and half as possible, or maybe even all of them hitting on all cylinders at the same time. That doesn't happen too often. When it does, it's a lot of fun, but it doesn't happen too often. But then there's the mirror side of it where everybody could be slumping at the same time, unfortunately. And that usually brings about a miserable brand of baseball, which is a lot of what we have seen from the Yankees lately when it comes to all these big guys who were supposed to be really getting this team by while Judge is out. Glaber, for the most part, has done okay. The rest of them have got to get it going. They have to. The Yankees are very fortunate that they're actually getting production out of some unexpected names. The Yankees, you know, I, I give Brian Cashman a very hard time, as he certainly deserves in a lot of areas. But one area that I even have to admit he's pretty good at is finding these diamonds in the rough, these strange players where you never really expect much out of, while other guys who you do expect a lot out of are either slumping or hurt. They come through and they do these crazy things and make it a lot of fun. It seems to be these guys that pop out of the woodwork like every season. Different names too most of the time. And this year, right now, it's Willie Calhoun and Jake Bowers. 
and they've been a lot of fun. All credit to them for all that they have done for this team. It's a lot of fun watching them, and basically all of us at one point or another doubted them or called for one of them to be DFA'd. Every single one of us can say that. But they have made it fun, and especially amidst all of the bigger guys slumping lately, who you expect a lot more out of, their contributions are that much more appreciated. But the bigger guys still have to come through. The big stars don't hit in Judge's absence. The Yankees are not going to win a lot of games. And this past week had its share of losses, and even the wins had some questionable offensive performances. There were days where all five of those guys would take a 1-for-29 in a given day. That's not good. And usually the vast majority of the time that that happens, not a lot of runs are being scored, and it's harder to win the game. A lot more pressure put on the pitching as well. That's the way it works. So the big guys have got to come through more. DJ has got to snap out of this funk he's in. I don't know what the hell is going on with him. This slump has, in many ways, reached the point of unacceptable. Even Rizzo's gone to sleep a little bit. His numbers have dropped a bit. Stanton, I know he's back from injury for not too long, but he's got to start to get it going, and it doesn't help when Aaron Boone on nights like tonight gives him a night off and doesn't give him that proper consistency. And Donaldson either needs to continue with the home runs, and if he doesn't do that, he's got to find other ways to drive some runs in and contribute here because if he's not hitting a home run lately, he is literally doing absolutely nothing, literally nothing with the bat. So something's got to happen here with some of these big names here. And if they don't hit, then life is undeniably going to be made a lot harder for the Yankees in their goal to stay afloat here while Judge is out. Because the AL East is not slowing down, as we can see. It's not slowing down. It has not slowed down the entire way into the season here, and it will not slow down going forward. And nobody's going to feel bad for them. It's on them to get it done. They've got to wake up. This is no time, probably the worst kind of time, to collectively slump like this, like they have done while Judge is out since that amazing running catch he made in L.A. So they've got to wake up. And sooner rather than later. Do not lose this series to Boston tonight. Don't do it. Don't do it. Boston's not good enough to lose a series to number one, and you cannot overstate the importance of these divisional games, especially considering how murderous the AL East is this year. Even aside from the personal rivalry between the Yankees and the Red Sox, you gotta win these divisional games. You have to. I don't care if the Red Sox are under us. You can't let them knock us down. You can't. Gotta win these divisional games. So that's really the main takeaway from this past week as far as things to look upon for the Yankees to get by while Judge is out is mainly the offense. Because while the starting rotation has definitely had its difficulties, especially in light of Nestor going down now and Severino, after now three starts in, after his first one starts two and three have been really bad. And now he's got his next one coming up on Tuesday against the Mets, of course. We'll see what he does against them. And so you got... That going on with Severino, wondering what's going on with him, his fastball still being down a couple of ticks in velocity, wondering if there's still something wrong with him. Uh, It's just a mess with him as far as he's concerned. Clark has actually been better lately. That's good to see. Herman's been good lately. That's good to see, despite how much of a headache he is off the field or with the pitching substance crap earlier on. He's been objectively good on the mound. You have to admit that, even if you think he causes a lot of trouble like I and many others do. You still have to admit that on the field, he's done very well and he's been a reliable pitcher for them of late throughout most of this season. 
and obviously you still have Rodon working his way back. We're going to talk about a lot of this in Yankees news, which I guess we'll jump into right now because we're already 25 minutes in. (laughs) Oh, God, I can't stop talking. Just shut up, Mike. Shut up. Get to the point. All right, Yankees news. Let's get to it. Latest injury and roster news. First off, as we mentioned before, obviously Judge and Nestor each to the injured list, as expected, especially when it comes to Nestor. Judge was kind of uh, up in the air last week. But Judge with the toe sprain, obviously, and Nestor with the shoulder strain. And Judge, as they said, is expected to be down at least a couple of weeks. And Nestor with no throwing for at least a couple of weeks. We briefly touched on that already. And as far as the roster, Billy McKinney was down in the minors. Obviously, Billy McKinney used to be a Yankee very briefly. Then he hopped around to a bunch of different teams like the A's, the Blue Jays, even the Mets, I believe, and the Brewers and the Dodgers. He's been around. But the Yankees brought him back. He was down in the minors, and they signed him to a major league contract, brought him up for Judge. So that was the move as far as Aaron Judge going down and McKinney helping out with the outfield a bit. But despite Nestor going to the injured list, it wasn't until three days ago that the Yankees officially transferred him to the injured list, the 15-day, that is. And again, he's going to be down for at least a couple of more weeks because he's still amidst the not-even-throwing stage. So, at least that much time with his shoulder problem. And the Yankees, in turn, recalled Matt Crook for him to help reinforce their arms out in the pen a lot more since they're down Nestor now. And also, they called up Randy Vasquez, who will definitely be hitting on today as the 27th man for the doubleheader a few days ago against the White Sox and sent him back down right after, obviously. And Ryan Weber was also transferred to the 60-day IL with his elbow problems. We talked about that last week because the problems were already there when we did last week's show, but they officially transferred him from the 15-day to the 60-day, which at the time also opened up another 40-man roster spot. That is what moving someone to the 60-day injured list will do. So those were the roster moves for the week and where they're at currently right now. As far as IL news for guys still on it, and this is the part a lot of people are interested in. First off, Lord Bader, Harrison Bader, is nearing his return. And he was actually eligible last Friday, just a couple of days ago, but he will still be returning shortly. Just because he wasn't activated doesn't mean he's going to be out for a long time anymore. He's actually very close. They're just deciding, apparently, whether or not to put him in a rehab game or two. But regardless, he's really close. He's done baseball activities and says he's totally fine. Feels really good, so that's a big positive. Love to hear that. Looking forward to having him back, especially amidst Judge being out. You could use as many guys as you can get your hands on. And I also saw a video of him actually facing Rodon in live batting practice. We'll get to Rodon in just a bit. I actually think Rodon struck him out, so... It's good for Rodon, not great for Bader, but nonetheless, just live BP. But it's good to see the both of them getting their work in. Good sign for guys on the injured list. But as far as Bader, again, I would expect him back at some point this week, maybe even in the upcoming Subway Series in the middle of the week. We'll see. But Bader is very, very close, which you love to hear about. The captain, Mr. Judge, again, as we said and as we obviously know, he was also placed on the injured list this past week, retro to the 4th. And it was the 10-day for him while Nestor is on the 15-day. So again, he's technically eligible to return midweek this week, give or take, mid to the end of the week, but that's not going to happen. He did receive a platelet-rich plasma shot on the 6th to help his recovery with that sprained toe that he, of course, got from, again, bashing his feet into that cement part of the wall that 
step up into the bullpen where the fence flew open. There was a step up into that pen, and that step up was made of cement, just bashed his foot right into there if you watch the replay, if you haven't already. He was really sore after the shot, apparently, and Yankee beat reporters like Brian Hoke and everybody was saying that he was hobbling around the clubhouse and all that, but hopefully it's doing its thing. And again, there's no timetable for his return, which is kind of scary. I do appreciate them not really wanting to give out potentially incorrect information, so they're keeping it vague, but inevitably it is also scary to hear that, that they're a bit reluctant to give a specific timetable. But I don't want to be a total hypocrite, because again, I'm the first one who will jump on the show and be like, oh my god, they gave out wrong information again, or they're just not truthful about it, whatever the case may be. So, I don't want to act totally hypocritical about it. I respect them not wanting to potentially be wrong again. (laughs) So, if that even is the case. But nonetheless, Judge's timetable is not a specific one. No specific intricate details when it comes to that. Obviously, this team needs him back as soon as humanly possible, especially because you see what the offense is like when he's not in there. But it just seems like they're really closely watching what happens within his toe following that injection from a few days ago. Probably get more news in the coming week, you have to imagine. But hopefully it's doing its thing and he comes back sooner rather than later. Obviously, that was a very scary play. It could have been worse, could have broken something, could have broken the toe. But fortunately, doctors were able to rule out a fracture at least. Fracture definitely would have been really bad, would have been out at least a month and a half or two. Hopefully he's back quite sooner than that with this. I imagine they'll be very careful. But nonetheless, as annoying as it is to still be on sort of a cliffhanger with this thing as far as a specific timetable, there is none. We'll just have to wait and see. Hopefully the more time passes, the clearer it'll become and they'll be able to tell just how much that shot did or didn't help him in his recovery. Hopefully it did. Ian Hamilton. Remember him? Real important part of the bullpen through the first month, month and a half. He got injured in Toronto after having to come in early once Herman was thrown out of the game under suspicion of using a foreign pitching substance. He had a groin injury. Well, there's actually some really good news regarding him. He, like Harrison Bader, is really close now as well. So that's a very nice arm to add back to a bullpen that I feel is already doing quite nicely. He should be throwing another bullpen session today if he did not already. Probably did since it's the evening and the game is close to starting. And then he's likely to start up a rehab assignment, which will probably start at some point this week if that's the case. And obviously after the rehab assignment, he'll be back. So he's close. He's really close. I'd say maybe about a week or so, week and a half. Bullpen guys usually don't need as much time as a starter, so... Hopefully that means within the next week, that'd be awesome to add Hamilton back in the very near future and help out a bullpen that I feel has already done quite a nice job. And maybe the roster move for that is to send Matt Crook back down since he's still up here, but and cross that bridge when you get to it. Point is, really happy that Hamilton seems to be on the way back. Sir Greg Allen. I love calling him that for some reason. We went over him getting that hip flexor injury last week. He was placed on the 10-day injured list on June 3rd. But unfortunately, he's apparently not set to be back, apparently, until July. So at least another three-ish weeks for him, maybe. So that definitely stinks, but that's to deal with Greg Allen. Already went over Weber being transferred to the 60-day injured list. They're still hoping his elbow issue doesn't mean Tommy John. Otherwise, we won't see him for a long time. I believe he's actually looking to do a PSP injection and do some rehab in order to prevent Tommy John surgery because, you know, 
Tommy John is the last option because then you say goodbye to a pitcher for a very long time after that. So, see if that works for him. Hoping for the best, obviously. He actually pitched very well in the bullpen leading up to when he got hurt whenever the Yankees were to use him, especially starting in Toronto. He pitched really well out of the pen. A lot of fun to watch. So, unfortunate to see him go down. It would really suck for him to have to get Tommy John surgery. So, let's hope that injection and rehab works out well for him and you get him back, yeah, sooner rather than later, but hopefully get him back, period, because you're not getting him back for a long time if he gets Tommy John. So, many of the other usuals are the same, especially those who have been down for a long time now and are still a ways away from coming back. Rodon, he's still a bit of a question mark. They're still hoping for July. He did face hitters a few days ago on the 7th in a 20-pitch mound session. Fastball is apparently between 92 and 94. Miles per hour, it's pretty decent. Used to throw harder than that. Maybe he'll work back up to that. Who knows? He's got a lot of ramping up to do, as we know. And he apparently faced live hitters again today. And actually today, got to lecture our $162 million arm a little bit here. He hit Willie Calhoun in a batting practice session with the pitch. Friendly fire will not be tolerated, Carlos. Come on. (laughs) Be more careful. But fortunately, Willie Calhoun's okay. He's still leading off tonight. Whole deal. So that was pretty scary. When I got that update from Bleacher Report in the MLB app, and I saw the video of it on Twitter going around that a few of the beat reporters were releasing. Brian Hoke had it out, and Max T. Goodman, love Max, he put it out as well. I believe he did, but that was scary to see. And then after that, the video came out of him striking out Harrison Bader as well, like I mentioned before. So he did throw again today. Thankfully, he did not injure his own freaking teammate in Willie Calhoun in a freaking batting practice session. But he's also apparently facing hitters on the 15th on Thursday. So hopefully he continues to not have any more setbacks in his attempted return this time. But after he throws on the 15th, there is word that he may start up a rehab assignment of his own after that. Now, a rehab assignment for Rodon, I would imagine, is going to be quite different. Because... Rehab assignment for a bullpen guy, they don't throw as many pitches, not going to be as long, especially if they're not out for as long with their injury. Starters, even if they're out for a bit longer, probably a little bit shorter, not as much ramping up to do, but Carlos is an entirely different animal here. Because when he starts his rehab assignment, he's going to need a while. Because not only is he a starter, but he's going to need a while because he has not pitched in a game since spring training, when he only threw one inning and looked like a mess. And it was revealed after that that he had the elbow issues, and then after that, the back issues arose, and then the chronic back issue was said to be chronic, and nobody knew if he was going to pitch the entire freaking year again. Big question mark. Now it's starting to become a little bit more clear as he's apparently really close to a rehab assignment. But even when he starts that rehab assignment, it's not going to be like, oh yeah, he's going to do a couple of games and be back by next week. Hell no. He needs a lot of time to ramp back up. A lot of time. So even if he is starting a rehab assignment within the next week, week and a half, two weeks, something like that, he's going to be in the minors rehabbing for quite some time. And as long as the Yankees can afford to, you know, there's no need to really rush him. Some might even say just wait until after the freaking All-Star break to bring him back if he's not going to be back till July anyway. So, I don't know, we'll see. We'll see what the deal is with him. Again, hopefully no more setbacks, no more setbacks for Carlos Rodon. No more. So, we'll see how the throwing session goes on the 15th. There's going to be more live BP thrown. 
and then see when the rehab assignment officially begins. I'm sure we'll all be updated on it when it does all throughout the baseball world. How long it takes, which again, I assume it will take a very long time. Got a lot of ramping up to do. And another thing too, I got to crap on the Yankee organization a little bit here. This past week, there was quite an environmental event here in New York. Pretty sure the entire country heard about it, especially, you know, if you're near Canada or you're on the East Coast like I am here in New York. There were some wildfires in Canada earlier in the week, and the wind, the way it was blowing, was pushing the smoke from the wildfires all the way down to and all throughout New York and throughout a lot of the East Coast. So New York wasn't the only ones. But in the middle of the week, it was really bad. I mean, if you looked at the backdrop of Yankee Stadium and City Field and you looked how Manhattan looked throughout this whole thing, it looked like we're living on Mars or we were in the middle of an inferno or a barbecue. It was freaking crazy. It looked like one of those phone filters that you use on the camera rolls. Absolutely nuts. And it was really harmful to breathe in. And every time I went from my house to the car and then my car to my job or vice versa, the other way around, whenever I was outside, I was holding my breath. Because they said if you stayed outside for a number of hours when it was at its peak, then breathing in that stuff for that much time was equivalent to smoking multiple packs of cigarettes throughout a day. And I am beyond not a smoker. That crap freaks me out. I take care of myself a lot. I'm very physically active. Hell no. So I was holding my breath whenever I was outside. And this lasted like two, three days. And when it was amongst its worst... The day that the Yankees had to postpone the game, the Yankees had Carlos Rodon doing a live throwing session on the mound. Right in the middle of it. I was like, what the hell is this team doing? This guy spent months trying to come back from an elbow problem and back stiffness, which turned into a which was then revealed to be a chronic back problem, and now you're trying to give him respiratory issues? I mean, you can't make it up. So just really baffling there by the Yankees. To have anybody outside during that, and the fact that Major League Baseball took as long as they did to even cancel the game that day. I mean, come on. Looked like a freaking horror film out there. I mean, no matter where you went, it smelled like you put your face right into a barbecue grill. Absolutely crazy. You have the guy out there doing a live throwing session. Are you kidding me? Come on, guys. Uh, Which I do hope, by the way, everybody stayed safe throughout that. Nobody took any respiratory damage. I, I know that a lot of my friends who had asthma, they were going nuts throughout all of it. It's, it's really dangerous. And I saw a lot of people walking around with the N95 masks. I can't blame you. That was crazy. I've only been alive 26 years. But that was definitely the craziest environmental event, I'll call it, that I have seen in this state. That was absolutely crazy how bad it got to the point where if you were on a bridge around the Manhattan area, you couldn't even see Manhattan right in front of you. It was just covered in the haze and the smoke. It was absolutely crazy. It started in the beginning-ish part of the week, late Monday into Tuesday, and it wasn't gone until decently into Friday. It was a long time. So, and the Yankees had to play their doubleheader on Thursday when it was still lingering. On Wednesday, they cancel the game. It's really bad. It's really bad. And they had Rodon out there throwing live pitching. They're doing a live pitching session. It's great. Awesome job, Yankees. I don't think it lasted long, but nobody should have been outside that day. 
So, but anyway, I digress. That's the deal with Rodon. So it's good to hear that he might be actually really close to a rehab assignment might be imminent. That's awesome to hear. But even then, when that begins, it's going to be quite some time. Frankie Montas, the same, obviously, hoping for any time in the second half. Could very well be out the entire year still. Luis Heal. It's been a long time since we heard that name, right? He could still very well be a factor in the second half as he works back from his Tommy John surgery that he got last May, if you recall. He's been throwing bullpens the last couple of weeks, so if they still need arms in the second half by chance, maybe Heal could help out. Who knows? Loisica. Still August or September, unfortunately. Nothing really new there. Lou Trevino, done for the year with Tommy John, as we know. F. Ross, also done for the year with the same. You know the deal. So, a bit of an even deeper injury list update there. Particularly because, again, I won't be doing a show next Sunday because of Father's Day. So, I figured do an even more in-depth update than I already usually do. So, with that being said, that is your updated injury and roster news, my good people. A lot of stuff to talk about, as always, when it comes to injuries and the roster with the Yankees. There's always so much happening. Constant traffic of guys going down and coming back up and getting hurt. Who you're replacing them with, the whole deal. And then when they come back, who you're sending back down, or DFA, and I'm moving to a 60-day IL spot for those two latter things when it comes to the 40-man roster. What are you doing? And we all want to speculate and we all talk about it. So always so much to discuss each and every week when it comes to that. But without further ado, we still got a couple more segments left to go. The Yankee game is actually starting within the next 10 to 15 minutes or so. So it looks like you guys are actually going to get some live time reactions from me with the Yankee game, at least the start of it decently, I guess. Because it's starting very shortly, we still got a couple more segments left to do. So let us move on to the next segment without further ado, the weekly recap segment. We will recap both the White Sox series and the Red Sox series, what has happened in the Red Sox series so far, at least considering the final game is about to begin, has not even officially been played yet. So Yapping Yankees time machine back to the end of last week so we can recap this past week. Let's do it. All right, I just took a slight breather in order to change the channel over to ESPN, and a few minutes have gone by. The Yankees and Red Sox have started. Clark gave up a leadoff double on the first pitch. Hopefully Clark does not stink it up tonight. Now Verdugo's up at bat. We'll see what happens going forward with the rest of the top of the first, but the Yankees and Red Sox game has officially started at the point at which I'm taping right now. It's around 10 after 7, so you will get... Some real-time reactions from you. I'm not going to put the audio on in the background unless something big happens, like usual, particularly for the Yankees. But the Yankees and Red Sox have begun. While that's going on in the background for me, obviously by the time you guys hear this episode, the game will have probably been over by then. I'll probably have the episode out after the show. I don't like to usually release during games because people's attention is obviously elsewhere. Elsewhere meaning on the game. Duh. So I'll probably wait until after. And Schmidt just got Verdugo to ground out. So there's one out runner on third now because he moved the runner up. And Yoshida is up at bat now. See what he does first pitch. Oh, he loops it. Waldo's right there. Nice. Waldo's his shortstop tonight. So the runner wasn't able to score, obviously, because it was a soft pop-up on the infield. So now there's a runner on third and two outs. Hopefully Clark gets out of this. Hopefully he does. Who's up now? It's Devers. Oh, boy. (laughs) Devers has become 
quite the premier Yankee killer, if I had to say. He has become quite the Yankee killer. First pitch strike. Awesome. Clark's cutter's been a little bit better. I've really crapped on it for most of the earlier part of the season because, well, I mean, it stunk for most of the earlier part of the season. But it seems to be a bit more improved now. And the last few starts, like I, I mentioned, Clark has been a bit better as of late. And a part of that's been him being a bit more economical with the stuff. Like he gets a lot of contact outs and really shorter at-bats most of the time. And that's that's a good thing. You don't want to spend too much time having way too many pitches in every single at-bat. Otherwise, you're not going to be long for the game. And the Yankees need him and the rest of the rotation right now, especially being down yet another starter in Nestor with, you know, Seve not doing as well the last couple of starts and just everything going on with the rotation. They need length out of the rotation. Pitching has not been the primary problem with the Yankees, especially as of this past week. But that doesn't mean the bullpen no longer needs the starters to give some solid length here. It'd be ideal for them to do so. All right, he has him 0-2, just fouled off the third pitch, the 0-2. Struck him out with the high cutter. Nice. Cutter 93, wow. Usually doesn't throw that that hard. Usually the fastballs at that velo are a little bit higher. Well, anyway, okay, so he struck out Devers. The runner did not score. The Red Sox stranded Jaron Duran at third base, so that's good. Awesome. Nice job by Clark after the leadoff double to not allow the run to come home. So it's scoreless heading to the bottom of the first. So while we have a few minutes here before the Yankees get up to bat, let's start recapping the week. Obviously, last Sunday, the Yankees did end up winning the series in Los Angeles by winning the game 4-1. to one. Domingo Herman started the game, did a very nice job. Six and two-thirds, four hits, one run, one walk, and six strikeouts. So... Another nice start for Domingo. Offenses were massively quiet throughout the entire game up until the top of the seventh when Higgy drove a run home on a ground out. Jake Bowers came home to score heads-up base running by him. Unfortunately, the Dodgers tied it up right away in the bottom of the seventh on a J.D. Martinez solo shot, so Herman did unfortunately give the run right back amidst him being basically flawless for the rest of the game before this. But he did give the run right back. The Yankees got the run right back yet again, though, in the top of the eighth on some more heads-up base running by notoriously slow Anthony Rizzo when it comes to speed on the bases or speed in general. But Rizzo did get a really good jump on an Oswaldo ground out, and Oswaldo drove home that go-ahead run. So it was 2-1. to one. And then Volpe in the top of the ninth with some solid insurance. Obviously, he has still continued to mostly struggle, except for the occasional home run or bright spot lately. But in this moment, it was an epic home run in the top of the ninth. Two-run shot to make it 4-1. to one. Clay Holmes would seal the deal. Yankees win 4-1 to one in L.A. and win the series. Best two out of three against a solid Dodgers team. And in this last game, without Judge, obviously. So a big W for the Yankees to end the weekend. Head back home. Good plane trip back here. Off day Monday, obviously. Tuesday, they return home to face the White Sox. This was a tough series. Even the one game that they did win amidst the doubleheader, the offense was really quiet throughout most of the series. This was another example of that. Clark did start the first game of this series back on Tuesday. Unfortunate thing is, you know, he did give up six hits and, yeah, the three runs, but he did go six innings, some decent length again, but he he didn't deserve to take the loss on the day. It was unfortunate. It was really weird because the White Sox scored three runs, one in the third and two in the fifth, and it was all scored by their number nine hitter, Sebi Zavala. A solo shot and then a two-run tank job in the top of the fifth made it 3 nothing Sox at the time. And Clark was just getting 
absolutely no run support whatsoever. Offense was totally dead. They started to show some signs of life in the bottom of the seventh when IKF hit an RBI double. Probably should have been caught, but a miscommunication in left center involving Luis Robert Jr. So that drove home the run on that double, driving home Willie Calhoun, who had reached base prior. So it was 3-1 to one White Sox. And in the bottom of the ninth, Josh Donaldson hit a solo shot to make it 3-2, to two, but the Yankees could not rally anymore beyond that, and they did fall by a score of 3-2. to two. Too little, too late to rally there in the bottom of the ninth. Donaldson again hitting a home run like we spoke about before. It's basically the only thing he's been doing. Not crapping on the home runs, but just listen back to my point again before in case you missed it when it comes to that. But the Yankees did lose that first game 3-2, to two, and if not for that one hitter in the White Sox lineup being Zavala, and if the Yankees just gave him a bit more run support, I would say Clark definitely did not deserve to take that loss, and it's unfortunate. Well, Willie Calhoun got out just before I missed that, and then Glaber just drove one of the freaking wall. Oh, Glaber just missed an apple taco. Right center field, right in front of the Yankee bullpen, and Duran caught it right in front of the wall. Ugh. Damn, it looked good off the bat. I got excited for a second, but I didn't want to get too crazy here before it officially just went over the wall, and it's a good thing I didn't. Uh, right, right next to the 385 sign. Damn. Crap. All right, so Glaber almost just went deep. He's Again, like I said before, of all the big names I mentioned, he's definitely doing the best of all of them. Now Rizzo's up. See if he could do anything. Two outs, nobody on for the Yankees, and it's on one, and he bloops one right to short. So Rizzo continues to slump. So... No runs, no hits, no base runners, no nothing in the bottom of the first for the Yankees. They're right heading to the top of the second in the game tonight. All right, Wednesday, obviously, like we spoke about before, because of the all the smoke and all the just horrible air quality here in New York, thanks to the Canada wildfires, the Yankees-White Sox game on Wednesday was postponed. So the Yankees and White Sox had to play a doubleheader on Thursday. Could have very well swept the doubleheader the Yankees could have, but the first game was really rough. A lot of back and forth, but ultimately, the Yankees just choked away a game they very well could have taken, at least as far as game one is concerned. Starting this game was Luis Severino. He, again, did not look good, unfortunately. Did manage to still somehow get five innings out of the guy, but he still did not have a good start. Five innings, six hits, four runs, two walks, and six strikeouts. And the runs by the White Sox were scored in the top of the second on a two-run homer by Jake Berger. And then later on in the top of the third, a solo shot by Luis Robert Jr., solo shot by Yohan Moncada. So just a lot of home runs given up by Seve, three to be exact. Not what you want to see. Because it just, it, again, it seems like his fastball is just a couple of ticks down in velocity. The secondary pitches are not moving as much, and they're just kind of floating over the plate and really easy to hit and hit for power. Because a big part of his problems, both in the start in Los Angeles and in this one, he's been giving up bombs. He's getting hit hard. So it's not just like he's experiencing bad luck or he's getting, you know, a lot of soft contact here and there. And it's just not looking good for him. He's got to figure it out soon. The Yankees got to figure out if he's okay. There's been no word on him having any physical issues, being injured again or anything. And he sounds pretty puzzled himself as to what the problem is because he's been saying that the ball feels pretty good coming out of his hands and everything. So... Seems like Severino's a bit puzzled even as to why what's happened has happened. But um, he can't seem to figure it out as of yet. Only the third start back, obviously. Hopefully it improves, but he has not looked good. And uh, even though the 
the couple of ticks down in velocity thing coming back from injury is pretty normal. But his first start back, I mean, it could have been adrenaline. You, you never know. But the velo is really good. And the last couple of starts, it hasn't been. So I noticed that right away in the second start in Los Angeles. And it was kind of a thing again here. So we'll see what happens in his fourth time out on Tuesday. Hopefully it improves. But not a good start for Seve. Fortunately, ultimately, the Yankee offense did have his back and took him out of the decision, at least, because Higgy hit an RBI double in the bottom of the second. Calhoun got an RBI single in the same half inning. And then in the bottom of the fourth, Willie Calhoun tied the game at four. They were down by two runs at the time. And Willie bangs, man, just like uh, just like Aaron Boone said. And uh, if your mind's in the gutter, you take that another way, obviously. But either way, Willie bangs, right? So game-tying two-run shot, driving Higashioka home at the time, tied the game at four in the bottom of the fourth. And then in the bottom of the fifth, Waldo, RBI single, made it 5-4. So the Yankees actually grabbed the lead. And then in very unusual fashion in the top of the seventh with Michael King, and obviously Michael King is an absolute beast. Definitely the most reliable arm out in that bullpen as far as the entire season as a whole, if you had to say. You just really trust him, typically. Well, even the best go through their rough patches sometimes. It's just inevitable, unfortunately. And this was one of those very rare cases for Michael King that had happened to him. Gave up a go-ahead two-run shot to Jimenez. Really tough blow, especially considering the offense could not come back. Really tough loss for the Yankees in a game that they you really, especially after Waldo gave him the lead, you really felt like the bullpen was going to lock it down, especially with Michael King. And who, who's thinking that Michael King's going to give up a big home run and put the White Sox ahead? Nobody. So... Just really felt good about it. And then he comes in, gives up the go-ahead two-run shot. Yankees lose 6-5, so it's unfortunate. King took the loss in the day. And Justin Turner just hit a freaking home run. Oh, God almighty. Damn it. Opposite field. Oh, God. Yeah, it looked like a fastball just right down the plate. Right down the plate. By Schmidt there. Damn it. Yeah, let me see, which, um, because I actually didn't see that firsthand. I looked over and it was happening. It was, uh, yeah, it was a sinker. Sinker, middle, middle. A little bit outside, maybe, but mainly middle, middle. 94, right there for the taking. Turner took care of it. Uh, so it's one nothing Red Sox in the top of the second. Still up at bat. That was to lead off the inning, so there's no outs. Oh, God, yeah, now it's 2-0. Oh. Oh, Schmidt's falling apart. Well, hopefully he puts a stop to it. Let's keep on going. So game two of the doubleheader against the White Sox back on Thursday. Yankees really needing to prevent a sweep here against a White Sox team that is just not very good, to be quite honest with you. And Mike Clevenger's on the mound against Randy Vasquez. And we mentioned him briefly before, and I said I'd talk about him a little bit more later on in the show. And here it is. Randy Vasquez here is making his second start after he made his Major League debut a couple of weeks ago. And I got to tell you, I like this kid. He's got some good stuff. I was saying a lot of similar things with uh, Brito earlier on. Hopefully he doesn't fall apart the way Brito did. I'm not saying Brito's career is over, but Brito did kind of fall apart, especially against the Twins. But Vasquez has got good stuff. He's got electric fastball, throws hard, moves a lot. And uh, he's also he's also got some really good secondary stuff. He's got a really devastating sort of slurvy pitch. They call it a sweeper now, I know. But Got some good stuff. I really like it. He gives some decent length out of the pen here on this game. He gave five and two-thirds length, two hits only, one walk, three strikeouts, a bit lower in the strikeouts. But listen, 
Only one walk, two hits, no runs. Five and two-thirds shutout in the second Major League start after the first Major League start was already pretty good. I mean, I like the kid. Really solid first two starts in the big leagues, and good for him. So he didn't give up any runs, and then Marinaccio and Holmes after that paired up to pitch the remaining 10 outs in the game. Shutout. And Clay earned his seventh save of the year as a result of it. And Randy Vasquez's first Major League win, so congratulations to him. And as far as the Yankee offense, they again, even on the wins when I said before, on, on the wins they didn't even look that great. And they did win this game, but they didn't even have to do that much because of how Vasquez, Marinaccio, and Holmes kept them down. It's good to see Marinaccio have a good outing too because Marinaccio has taken a lot of L's in quite a few bullpen appearances this year, strangely, but... As far as runs, the Yankees just had to put two up on a Glaber Torres two-run shot in the bottom of the fourth, his 10th home run of the year, and Billy McKinney hit a solo shot in the bottom of the fifth. Obviously, again, McKinney called up in place of Judge, making his presence known. Was looking good already prior to this game in the small amount of appearances he had, and now in this one, hit a solo shot to give them an important third run, and the Yankees would win 3-0 in a two-hit shutout of the White Sox. So, Thankfully, the Yankees were able to salvage the final game and prevent getting swept from just a bad team at home. You never want to see that. So, fortunately, they were able to do that, grab a win. Vasquez looking solid. Clay Holmes continuing to look great again. We'll talk about that as well. And Marinaccio having a good appearance out of the pen, going two and a third shutout. Definitely helped save the rest of the bullpen at that as well. So, good end to the series, but very well could have swept the doubleheader, as I said. Now on Friday, as I see Clark Schmidt has one out and there's nobody on base for the Sox at the moment. Not quite sure from here who's up for the Red Sox. Might be Kike, I want to say. Just checking on that real quick on the app because I can't. Yeah, it is Kike. All right. Wow, my eyes are good. <laughs> They're showing Judge in the dugout now right behind Boone. Uh, come on, Clark. Strike him out. 3-2. They fouled it off again. Kike's having a long at bat. Schmidt has... 28 pitches so far here in the second inning, so that's a good count. Didn't throw too many pitches in the first inning, but he's throwing a lot here in the second. And now they're showing judges catching Los Angeles again. I don't need to see that. (laughs) All right, so we move on to Friday now, the start of the current series that's finishing up here amidst the rubber game matchup in the Bronx between the Yankees and Red Sox. Garrett Cole took the hill in the first game. And even though the Yankees were facing Whitlock, I really felt like the Yankees, especially because Cole's on the mound, yes, they don't have Judge, but felt like they could have very well have won this game, but unfortunately they didn't. And Cole, we were just talking about last week how he was still undefeated in the win-loss record, even though I don't value the win-loss record as much, because it is a BS stat in a lot of ways that we've spoken about countlessly. But nonetheless, he was given his first loss as a result of this, an undeserved one. Because, honestly, the only runs he gave up was an RBI single by Tristan Casas and then a solo shot by Yankee killer Rafael Devers, as we were just talking about before. And he did give up seven hits, so that's not ideal. But he did go six innings, seven hits, only two runs, only one walk and six strikeouts. So not a bad start by any means by Garrett Cole and definitely should have been salvageable if the offense was doing just about anything. But they weren't, so he ended up getting the loss in the day. And it didn't help that they thought to bring in Albert Abreu right after as well in a very close game. And Albert, of course, gave up a run of his own. So that was a third Red Sox run, and that was all they needed after that, despite Nick Ramirez and Jimmy Cordero combining 
for the next eight outs after that. But the Yankees only scored two. One in the bottom of the sixth on a Donaldson solo shot. And again, another Donaldson home run. And then in the bottom of the seventh on a Glaber walk, which also resulted in a run because Garrett Whitlock threw a wild pitch, which allowed Isaiah Connor-Falefa to come home to score on Glaber's walk. So that made it 3-2. And the Yankees couldn't muster up any more runs. Bottom of the ninth, there was a teaser, though, a big-time teaser with Volpe damn near hitting a walk-off shot, but then it was just foul. Oh, it was just foul. Stadium went absolutely ballistic. Everyone was convinced it was gone, but it landed just foul. Almost another epic moment for Volpe, but not quite. And despite getting nine hits, only one less than the Red Sox, the Yankees could not squeeze out a victory. So they lost 3-2 to two to start the series. Not ideal, especially with the ace on the mound. And then yesterday was quite a quiet game, but the Yankees managed to grab the win, fortunately, and even the series at one, obviously leading into the rubber game matchup that is tonight. Domingo Herman took the hill and again had himself a nice start. Six innings, six hits, one run only, two walks, and five strikeouts. Wandy Peralta, Tommy Canely, Clay Holmes combining for three innings worth of shutout ball after he was done. To hold the Red Sox down, the only run that the Red Sox did manage to score on the day was in the top of the sixth off of Herman with a solo shot. Rafael Devers, again, his 15th home run of the year and another one off the Yankees. What a shocker. And the Yankees put three on the board with a Glaber solo shot, his 11th home run of the year in the bottom of the fourth. And then with the game tied at one after Rafi's home run, bottom of the sixth, Willie Calhoun again with a porch job, his fifth home run of the year into right center field. And that made it a 2-1 to one Yankee lead. And then in the bottom of the 7th, after a throwing error by Christian Arroyo at second base, Kyle Higashioka was able to drive home a run, driving home IKF with a single of his own. That made it 3-1 Yankees. And then obviously, as I mentioned, the bullpen was able to hold it down and secure the 3-1 to one Yankee victory. Yankees find themselves at 38-28 and 28 heading into tonight's rubber game matchup against the Red Sox. As again, they are down one nothing in the bottom of the second now. Clark did not allow any more damage in the top of the second. Donaldson's up right now. He just swung and missed at an off-speed pitch. It's 2-2 two and two on him. Or actually, 3-2. I'm sorry. I misread that number. So it's 3-2. And, oh, they're doing the behind-the-plate view. I can't tell where it is. All right, well, he just threw the bat away, so he just walked. All right. That's the only indication as to what the pitch was because I couldn't tell because they were doing that stupid behind-the-plate view, that, that umpire camera, whatever that stupid crap is. All right, so Donaldson's on to lead off the inning. Thankfully, a nice walk for him. And Jake Bauer's coming to the plate. Hopefully, the Yankees can have an immediate answer for that solo shot that was in the top of the second by Justin Turner. All right, so Bowers is up. So, again... That was yesterday's game, and uh, the Yankees are 38-28. and 28. Divisional picture. Tampa is right back to winning a lot. They've won eight of their last ten. They are 48-20 and 20 up in first place, five and a half games over the second-place Orioles, and we are three and a half games behind them and nine games behind Tampa for first. As we've been saying for a long time now, the division seems to be a wrap as far as the Yankees are concerned, but who knows? Maybe the Rays can still come back down to earth, and the Yankees... Hopefully at some point, could get back to full health. I think I'll hit lotto before that happens. But eventually, hopefully they get back to full health and they can fight their way back into this thing with the Rays coming back down to earth, perhaps. Who the hell knows? But their better bet as of now is a wild card, even though it is still only early mid-June. We'll see. 
and a game and a half behind the Yankees, and 10 and a half out of first to the Blue Jays, and the Red Sox down below 14 and a half out of first and five and a half behind the Yankees. They are in last place, only a game under 500, and the AL East finally has a team that is under 500. I mean, last night the Red Sox came in at 32 and 32, so every team was still at 500 or better, which no other division has even come close to achieving. But nonetheless, this is what I meant before when I was talking about how the AL East just refuses to slow down, just will not slow down. And Jake Bowers just struck out. He's still doing the freaking behind-the-plate stuff. I can't stand that, man. I want to see the pitch from frontal, bro. Come on. So annoying, these broadcasts. They think they're, like, so innovative and doing new crap. I want to see the freaking at-bat from the front so I could see where the pitches are and see how the hit looks off the bat if one's to happen. God almighty. So Bowers just struck out. Now DJ's up, and and like we just spoke about, DJ's just been... It's just reached points of straight-up unacceptable gameplay out of him. I don't know what's going on with him. I really don't. So it's one and one right now on him. I'm going to adjust my microphone a little bit so I could turn towards the TV a, a tad. And he just swung and missed now. Now it's one and two. He's just off, man. DJ is off. It's really bad. I don't know what's going on. Some takeaways, obviously, from this past week, though, while we're still talking about this past week a bit before we move on to the social media segment and wrap up while this rubber game matchup is going on in real time as I am recording. Yankees and Red Sox, third game of the three-game weekend set. Obviously, takeaway number one has to be that the offense has got to put it together, and they have got to be better. They've obviously gotten a couple of wins this past week, but they definitely lost some games that they very well could have won had the offense been alive in any sort of a way and shown a little bit more resiliency and life. But they've got to get by while Judge is out. They don't have a choice. Things are going to happen. Judge made an incredible play. Bashed his foot into a little step-up cement area right near the bullpen fence. And he got injured. He's not around. So the rest of the big guys have got to wake up. Just like I said earlier in the show, that is a big takeaway. And now they're doing the freaking behind the plate. I, I can't. I can't do this anymore. Now DJ just got hit. I can't even see where it's going. All right, now they just adjusted the outfield view, and Verdugo makes a play by the track. So, yeah, DJ looks like he hit that one well, but still nothing out of it. Still nothing. He's got he's to get going. He's got to get going, people. He's so important to this lineup. He really is. Even if you want to rightfully get on him for the awful slumping he has done, DJ's just too important. He was always known as such a catalyst for the lineup for years now since he came over, especially in 19 and 20. And you just can't afford to have him slumping this badly for this long, especially without Judge there. Because it's going to... When the team's going through a bad way, when the lineup is looking badly, the the struggles are are magnified and even more evident, and they're hard to ignore. And DJs have just become harder and harder to ignore, especially with Judge out and the rest of the lineup really not doing much. So he's got to get going. Same thing with Rizzo, Donaldson, Stanton. Just every, everyone big and worthwhile. Other than Aaron Judge, while he's out, they need them to start producing and contributing. So, because like I said, Calhoun and Bowers, they can keep contributing and it's awesome. Yeah, nobody's denying that. It's freaking great to watch. But at the end of the day, as games continue to go on, 
you are only going to win so many games if the big ones stay quiet. It's just not sustainable going forward long term. If you have to be without Judge long term, it's not sustainable. You need the big guys to contribute. Just comes down to that. So that's the biggest takeaway as far as the main overall theme of this show is we just spoke about how the offense for the most part this past week just pitiful without Judge. Like I said, this team really struggles to even have an identity without him around. It's really remarkable when you really see how severe it gets with this team without Judge around. It's amazing. Oh, McKinney just roped one down the line. It's a fair ball. Ah, oh, I went into the seats. Ah, oh, Donaldson couldn't score. Crap. Ah. Right down the line, it was a high hop because it, was it wasn't necessarily a screaming line drive. It was a bit of a soft looper almost, but not really soft contact per se. But it hit the ground, it had a high hop to it, and it went, it was just fair. Hopped right into the seats in right field by the short porch. Damn it. So Donaldson couldn't score. Ground rule double at the stop at third. Uh, so a nice hit by McKinney. Like I said, he's been looking good since he was called up for judge. It's awesome. So Trevi's up now. Let's see what he does. Takes the first pitch strike. Uh, that's another one that needs to contribute. Trevi. Even though Trevi has really started to produce some of the offensive numbers that he was having in Texas, not really being an offensive presence whatsoever in Texas before he came over and did a lot of good things last year after the Yankees acquired him. But now he has returned to what he was prior offensively, I think it's safe to say. But it'd be nice to get contributions from anyone, again, that you could get your hands on while judges out. Anybody. Anyone. Now they're doing behind the plate thing, 0-2. Can't see where the pitch is. <sighs> Apparently it's high up. Couldn't tell, though. I can't stand when the broadcasts do that. I really can't. No one cares to see what the umpire sees. No one. No one cares. And they're doing it again. Two pitches in a row now. They're doing this. It's a base hit up the middle. He's positioned. Oh, it went off the base. It went off the base. <laughs> oh, my God. The Yankees take the lead. Oh, my gosh. The Red Sox, they had Kike positioned perfectly up the middle to get that ground ball. It was right up the middle by Trevi. They had him perfectly positioned at second base, and the ball hit the second base bag and hopped right into center field, scored both Donaldson and McKinney. <laughs> Oh, gosh. I get so angry whenever that happens to the Yankees, but it's so satisfying when it happens to the opposition for once. Oh, my goodness. So the Yankees take a 2-1 lead on that. Wow, they call it a break. Awesome. Thank you, second base bag. Appreciate it. All right, so Waldo's up now, and he is going to fly out to center. But the Yankees take a 2-1 lead, all right? <laughs> Thanks to the second base bag. <laughs> I will take it any way I can get it with this offense, man. With this judgeless offense. Take it any way I can get it. I don't care. So they're winning 2-1, to one, heading to the top of the third. So yeah, the offense is obviously the biggest takeaway. And as far as positives, I mean, I guess I'll use these as my next takeaways. Obviously, Bader's on his way back. That'll help in center field and offensively all around because Bader is really a big spark plug. We even spoke about that. Before his first return, people were doubting the true value that he could bring to the team. He'll be bringing that back when he comes back. Thankfully, he has not been out for that long. And barring any setbacks, I don't know if he's going to be getting into rehab games if they decide that he'll have any, but he's on his way back and very close. Ian Hamilton is coming back to bolster an already effective bullpen. And 
Speaking of bullpen, I'll talk about pitching overall. Despite the rotation going through a lot of problems right now, the starting pitching has mainly done a decent job, especially this past week, has not done a brutal job by any means, except for Severino, basically, which they have to figure out. Despite all the problems they're going through, I mean, Randy Vasquez came through very nicely, and Garrett Cole's been doing his thing. Nestor's obviously down, but Clark has been okay lately, and Herman's doing his thing. So they're, they're getting by. They're getting by as far as the starting rotation. And the bullpen is looking great as well, because this is another big takeaway. The Clay Holmes comeback tour has officially begun, guys. I don't know if you've been keeping track, but as of late, as of the better part of the last month probably, Clay Holmes has been back. And by back, I mean the first half of last year Clay Holmes is back. And if he is, and you've seen how big of a deal it is for the bullpen, it is in fact a massive deal for the bullpen if he's back. And he's massively hit or miss. Because when his stuff is off, then you better duck and cover because it is ugly. But when he's on, you can't touch the guy. Between the hard sinker slider mix, you can't touch him when he's on. And for the most part, vastly the most part, as of late in the last better part of the last month or so, he has been on. And that's huge for the bullpen. And it's been in multiple different roles. Like, like I said, couldn't have hurt to put him in different spots, whether it be different innings or even in just not in high leverage situations anymore. They seem to do that for a little bit here and there. It might have worked because sometimes you just got to have a guy get their confidence back. Sometimes it's just a matter of that, just reset. And he has been back, man. So I'm glad that seems to have worked if that in fact was what it was or if he just finally rediscovered his stuff after nearly an entire calendar year. But he's back majorly. Canely has looked solid since coming off the injured list. That's awesome. Love that Tommy's back, and it's it's so evident how much he missed being here and how much he still loves being here. He is just kicked ass. I'm glad to see that. Wandy's doing his thing, even though he really looks gassed at times, but he just pushes through and does his thing. He's a workhorse. Hopefully Marinaccio continues to figure it out a bit more. You have Michael King doing what he does with the exception of just that White Sox outing, but other than that, still doing his thing. Love watching King pitch. Cordero's mostly done good throughout most of the season So the bullpen's doing its thing Like I said, I'm pretty satisfied with the bullpen and the way they look I'm obviously not the biggest fan of Albert Abreu But even he, especially when he comes in in clean innings it seems Seems to have his good outings here or there But I still don't trust him as far as I could throw him, doesn't matter But the pitching has not been the main weakness on this team As a matter of fact, they have contributed to helping them get by and stay afloat As we've said, it's really the offense that has the problem right now So Two positives being the pitching, especially when it comes to the bullpen. And the rotation has been mainly a positive, just that they have a lot of crap going on and they're just trying to figure out a way to get by. Bullpen's awesome. A couple of guys coming back from injury imminently in Bader and Ian Hamilton. And there's some decent news on Rodon and him starting a rehab assignment fairly soon. And hopefully Judge gets back as soon as possible, but that's still kind of up in the air. But... Bader and Hamilton coming back, positives, so on the injury front, all good. Hopefully we get some better news with Judge in this upcoming week when it comes to his toe. Get to see how much that injection really did or didn't work. And uh, on the whole, I would say generally those are big takeaways going forward for the Yankees. I says the runner on first right now, one out. And currently up at bat right now is Duran, I believe. And that pitch is... Well, it's hit hard towards... Gl- oh, what happened to the ball? Oh, did that hit the runner? It did hit the runner. Oh, wow. So he's out. All right. Yeah, so that was a hit by Verdugo. 
Okay, so yeah, that was Duran on the bases. My bad. So yeah, that's that's. Why did I say that? So yeah, Verdugo hit the ball, and Duran was on the base. It hit him. It was a line drive towards the right side, and it hit Duran, who was on base. Well, it stinks. The Red Sox are not getting good breaks right now. Hitting the runner, second base bag before, driving home two for the Yankees. They are not getting good breaks here. All right, so Yoshida's up right now. A couple of pitches into the at-bat. It's one-on-one. One. I just want to see how this one ends. Oh, they're doing behind-the-plate view again. Guys, make it stop, please. Somebody make it stop. Oh, well, that looks like it was hit well. It was, and it's right at Calhoun. Good. Inning over. All right, so Clark gets a bit of a break his way with the ball hitting Duran on the bases, but no runs allowed in the top of the third, heading to the bottom of the third. Yankees still up 2-1. Like I said before, do not lose this game and lose the series. Do not. Do not do it. Hold them here, Clark, and offense. Get some more runs for crying out loud. My God. All right, so what's ahead for the upcoming week? And I guess I'll do two weeks because, again, I'm not doing next Sunday for Father's Day. We'll not be talking next Sunday. The 18th will be back on Sunday the 25th. But for the next two weeks, obviously I, I alluded to it earlier, but on Tuesday and Wednesday this coming week are the first two games of this year's Subway Series, Yankees and Mets in City Field. Both games, Tuesday and Wednesday after tomorrow's off day. The Yankees are not playing tomorrow the 12th. The Yankees have a bunch of Monday Mondays off consecutively, and we're amidst that stretch now. Multiple Mondays off in a row for the Yankees. Tomorrow's another one of them. Tuesday and Wednesday, Yankees and Mets in City Field. Good pitching matchups for both games. Seve and Scherzer are set to go for Tuesday. That game is at 7-10 Eastern again at City Field, as is Wednesday, 7-10 Eastern. Garrett Cole against Justin Verlander. Now, Scherzer and Verlander both not doing as well as the Mets would expect. And Severino, obviously a big question mark with how he's done in his last two starts. And Garrett Cole's really the only guy you could be sure, or sure as you possibly can, probably more confident in him out of all the four guys than any of the rest. So you're feeling good about that if you're the Yankees, but obviously the offense is what it is without Judge. So with that factored in and how awful the Mets have been playing for some time now, they're now four games under 500 as they just got done with a seven-game losing streak yesterday and came back and lost again to the Pirates today, this afternoon. They're just awful. They don't hit. They do not hit. And they're pitching chokes a lot of the time, too. And not having Diaz is caught up to them. They don't have reliable mid-relief out in the bullpen. Much better team on paper than they are in actuality, man. They are not good. And plus, not having Pete Alonso now after he sustained that wrist injury, he's down for the next three, four weeks. So, honestly, anything could happen in the Subway Series. Probably going to be a little ugly on both ends, to be honest. Especially if the Yankees had Judge, it'd be a different story. Probably going to be pretty ugly. So, we'll see what happens. Always exciting. Probably the least excited I've been for a Subway Series in some time, considering what the Mets are doing and how the Yankees are without Judge. But, who knows? Maybe it could end up being really exciting after all. We'll see. Next weekend, the Yankees see the Red Sox again right away, just a week later. There's going to happen a lot because they didn't see them at all until this weekend. And even though they don't play their divisional opponents quite as much because of the increased interleague play, they're still going to have to squeeze in the matchups with the Red Sox a bit here because they went the first two whole months without even seeing them at all, which I hope they don't do going forward because I hate that. I like the Yankees playing the Red Sox a lot of the time. So Friday, they do see them again, but it'll be in Fenway Park this time. Next Friday's game will be at 7-10 Eastern. Pitching matchups and probables have not been announced for next weekend, of course, as of yet. And considering all the action going on in the Yankees' rotation could really be anybody based on decision-making. 
But next Friday, 710 Eastern at Fenway. Next Saturday, the 17th, we'll be at 715 Eastern at Fenway. And next Sunday, the 18th on Father's Day, will be another 710 p.m. ESPN Sunday night special like tonight's is. Following week, another Monday day off for the Yankees, obviously, like we've been talking about, their consecutive Mondays off. Tuesday the 20th, 7.05 Eastern against the Mariners, starting a three-game set against them in Yankee Stadium this time. They saw them not too long ago in Seattle and won two out of three. They very well could have swept the series. But on Tuesday the 20th, they'll be back in the Bronx, 7.05 Eastern. 7.05 Eastern on Wednesday the 21st as well. And the same time, 7.05 Eastern for Thursday the 22nd. And then that weekend, Friday the 23rd, the Yankees welcome the Rangers into town. So the homestand continues. Friday is 7.05 Eastern. Saturday is 4.05 Eastern. That's the next day game the Yankees have that we were talking about last week when we were mentioning how the Yankees have like no day games until the end of the month. They're on a long night game stretch right now. Well, finally a, a day game on Saturday the 24th, and this is the game I mentioned a little while back that I was also eyeing and going to. Not sure if I'll be there. When we talk again on the 25th, I'll update you as to whether or not I went. But I am eyeing that game. We'll see what happens. 4.05 Eastern for Saturday the 24th, and Sunday the 25th, and we speak again, will be 1.35 p.m. Eastern. Let's get to that social media segment. As we now head to, what inning is it? Let me see. I kind of took my attention away from the Yankee game a bit there while I was reading to you what was ahead for the Yankees. They're heading to the top of the fourth. Nothing of note seemed like it happened in the bottom of the third. Yeah, Calhoun grounded out, Glaber struck out, and Rizzo grounded out again. So Rizzo just continuing to slump. I love these guys. Like, you know, I love DJ. I love Rizzo. I love all these guys. I love Stanton. Love all of them. Not a good time to slump, guys. Not good. So as they go to the top of the fourth, the Yankees still winning 2-1. Let's go. Social media segment. I was just talking about last week how it's been forever. Been a little while since the last Q&A. Well, I'm finally giving you one, giving you the stage to ask me the questions for this weekend's episode. So let's go in with the Q&A, see what questions you guys had for me. First up is Rebecca at Peace Now for Life. She asks, how confident are you with the current pitching situation, starting pitching and bullpen? Well, I kind of spoke a little bit about that before. I like where the pitching is right now. Even though, again, the rotation has a lot of crap going on that we've been speaking about the whole freaking show, or at least a chunk of it, they're getting by. You know, Garrett Cole does what he does. Like we spoke about last week, you got to acknowledge the fact of how reliable he is, unlike much of anybody else in the sport anymore, takes that ball every fifth day. And even on the days he doesn't have it, he fights through and labors through and does his thing as the ace. That's why he is the ace. So he does his thing. Herman, even if you don't think he's worth the trouble with his uh, pitching substance antics and off-field crap, which I definitely understand that point of view, he has been very reliable lately for the Yankees. He's been an important piece in a rotation that has a lot of crap going on. So you have him doing his thing. Clark has been better of late, continuing to look good for the most part. As of today, as he's in the top of the fourth, has only given up one run so far on a solo shot to Justin Turner. So he has been... Better as of late, which is definitely a big help. They've stumbled upon, whenever they happen to need him, this Randy Vasquez kid making two starts, both of them being really solid doing his thing. So he's helping out whenever they could use him, especially in doubleheaders being a 27th man on the roster. They still got some figuring out to do with Seve as his last two have been bad, but if that's the only issue throughout the entire rotation, 
I'll take that for now. And you got the news on Rodon that we did today that a rehab assignment may be imminent. So, I mean, the starting pitching, again, like I said, even though a lot of crap is happening in the rotation, they're staying afloat. They're doing their thing. Bullpen, like I just got done talking about before, running through each and every name. I'll just refer to that part of the show so I don't repeat myself too much. But the bullpen has been performing quite nicely. I've enjoyed watching them. They've been doing their thing, especially headed up by the Clay Holmes comeback tour, which has come out of nowhere and flown under the radar for some, possibly. But bullpen's been fine. I think it's the offense that has to figure their things out. So the current pitching situation, while they could certainly use additional arms while guys are especially working their way back or getting back into the swing of things, if you're Severino, for instance, they're holding up okay. They are. They're doing all right. So that's how I feel about the both of them, I guess. Pretty positive. Ooh, Clark actually struck out Devers to start the top of the fourth. Nice. Up next is at Yankee Ken, and he asks, Has DJ LeMayhew morphed into the new Aaron Hicks? I believe the entity that plagued Aaron Hicks is now feeding on DJ LeMayhew's hitting ability. <laughs> I, I don't quite know about that. By the way, seen Hicks in Baltimore lately? He's freaking raking. <laughs> Did I not say that? Did I not say, oh, it might happen? Who knows? Imagine he becomes the next big thing in Baltimore. My God. It's so easy to predict, guys. It's so easy to predict. And I had people tell me, oh, you're so, you know, you're so foolish. You're being negative. And, you know, always a toxic positivity crowd doing their same annoying crap all the time. Oh, which other players have done that? Oh, I don't know. You go back years ago, there's Randy Johnson. You go back now, there's Sonny Gray. There's Joey Gallo. Granted, Joey Gallo has slowed down lately, but look how he started the season. And how he could do as far as the rest of the season. There are former players, and plenty of them, if you want me to keep running down the list, who have been bad here and then just really pick it up after they leave. They just don't like playing here. I guess a change of scenery, just being more relaxed elsewhere, maybe. They just they do better elsewhere. What can I tell you? It's the evidence. <laughs> so, yeah, but I don't, I don't know what's doing with DJ. I don't know if there's a... I don't know if the toe from last year is still bothering him. Who the hell knows? If there's something else, if there's some sort of an injury plaguing him that he's not talking about or trying to play off, I'm honestly not sure. Or if he's just really in an extended slump. All I know is that DJ has never looked this bad, especially for this extended of an amount of time in his time on the Yankees. He has never looked this bad. It really is baffling. But he's got to pick it up, especially... In times like this when you're without Aaron Judge, he's one of the big guys in there. He's one of the big catalysts. He's got to pick it up. Regardless of what the reason is, I don't know what the hell's going on with him, but it is really baffling and it's really bizarre. And he just got Justin Turner to fly out, so there's two way in the top of the fourth again. Clark, not he's not doing bad. He's not doing bad, guys. I gotta say, he's uh, he's been making me eat my words. A bit as of late. The last start, he gave the two home runs to the nine-hitter in the White Sox lineup, Savala. So that was annoying. But, you know, it was just one guy. But uh, it is embarrassing when you let the nine-hitter do that to you the way that he did that night. But nonetheless, even though the first hit was a... Uh, the first home run was a was a shorter home run. The second one was a freaking bomb, though. But otherwise, of late, Schmidt's been mainly better. So it's hard to really point too much blame to him. And he's only given up one run here in the top of the fourth. Got Casas here in a 2-1 count. And he f- is going to fly out to right after Calhoun catches, hopefully, and he does. 1-2-3 inning for Schmidt in the fourth. Still 2-1 Yankees heading to the bottom half. Put me on play-by-play. <laughs> I'll take over for John after he retires. By the way, did you see John 
or hear him maybe on the broadcast over the radio, get hit by a foul ball last night in the ninth inning, that Turner foul ball. They just released a video of it like an hour ago. I watched it on Twitter as I was talking, and I paused the show for a few minutes. It was during the time machine sound effect as well. He got hit in the head. People, John is in his mid-80s. Yeah, I may get on him for blowing the occasional home run call or, you know, whatnot. He blows plenty of calls. But I still respect John overall. He's a broadcasting legend. There's no doubt about that. Mistakes and all, it doesn't matter. He's a broadcasting legend. But even much respect with this as well. He's a trooper. Freaking foul ball drilled him in the side of the forehead, like maybe around the eyebrow area on the left side of his face. And he even on mic, or a little bit off mic as well, he's like, ow, ow. And he just continued calling the rest of the game like nothing was wrong after that. Freaking trooper, bro. Guy is made of iron. Much respect to John Sterling, but that could have really hurt him. The ball drilled him in the head. Go watch the video on Twitter or any social media platform you could find it on if you haven't seen it already. Could have really hurt him, especially a man of his age. My God. And he's back out there broadcasting tonight. So, you know, God bless John Sterling. I get on him for blowing his calls, but doesn't mean I have any less respect for, him for what he's accomplished over the years broadcasting-wise. Much respect to him, especially after something like that last night. Freaking crazy. At Baseball Tzar asks, Will the Yankees ever trade any prospects for an established everyday player? Our history with prospects is poor at best. This does not include our bullpen. Aside from Judge, who can we say is a prospect that has had decent MLB career? Yeah, it's, it's not good. I mean, Severino's homegrown, but he started out great, but then, of course, injuries plagued him after that extension. Now it's turned out to be one of the worst extensions in recent history for the Yankees. It's really not good. As far as homegrown elsewhere, I mean, the Yankees traded for Glaber and he was still a prospect, but because he was originally in the Cubs system, if you remember. So I don't really know how homegrown you could call, like truly homegrown you could call Glaber, even though he wasn't with any other team in the majors before coming over here. So if you want to call him homegrown in that sense, but otherwise, and he's been okay. Glaber's had his really bad years, but he's also had his good years. And right now he's 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 good. He's, he's solid right now. Rediscovered himself defensively at second base after how much they forced him to try to make it as a shortstop. Didn't work out. And with the bat, he's doing, he's doing fine. He's doing fine. So got that, I guess. And if you look around the rest of the diamond, Anthony Volpe is kind of a... We'll wait and see because he's just in his first two months here. It's another homegrown piece. Got other guys like Oswald Peraza who just won't and can't get chances up here for whatever the reason may be that we've all spoken about all the potential reasons. Um, But Peraza looked pretty solid last year. As far as homegrown talent pitching-wise, I mean, before Patances left, Patances was pretty solid. I loved him. Um... As of right now, any other homegrown Yankee guys on the roster who were actually good and that I like not in the bullpen? Um, I mean, Higashioka, he's... I, I don't, I'm not really a big fan of Higgies, as we know. So, not really anything there. And otherwise, I mean, Waldo... Waldo last year was terrific. So if he could rediscover that for the rest of this season, then Waldo could be another, I guess. But yeah, it's tough to find current Yankees who are homegrown who turned out to be really good. Obviously, Judge is the best one, without a doubt, but... Hey, DJ just got a hit. Would you look at that? Alright, so a two-out single for DJ in... uh, Where are we at? Bottom of the fourth? Yeah, bottom of the fourth. 
All right. Well, at least you got a hit. It's better than nothing. But yeah, it's a good point. Listen, um, whether they prospect hug too much or not, it's up to interpretation. But I mean, a lot of people have been going through it with uh, Peraza. They've been talking about it. You know, if they're not going to bring him up to the majors or get him consistent looks up here, then they should just trade him elsewhere where he could get a legitimate major league shot. Because not not too many prospects end up making. I mean, think about how many prospects are in the minor leagues each and every year and how many actually get a shot and are actually vastly successful in the major leagues. It doesn't happen too often. So a lot of people will argue that you can't hold on to prospects too much like the Yankees have at times. But they've also, they also have parted with some. Like, for instance, you know, they parted with Wesneski, J.P. Sears, a few guys last year at the deadline. They did have their players that they parted ways with to make certain moves. But, yeah, when it comes to upper guys, they're very cautious with giving them away. Guys like Volpe, Peraza, Dominguez, even other guys like Spencer Jones and whatnot, they're a little more hesitant. Whether or not it's warranted, it also depends on the current situation, what they could end up getting out of parting ways with those guys. So, it just depends on your point of view, I guess. But I can't really blame people for saying that they do prospect hug at times a bit. My good friend James at Rebirth Chaos 09 says, Which Yankee player is an X-factor to help the offense with Judge on the sidelines? I think it's DJ, because if he can hit, it can help tremendously. Yeah, I was actually going to say that myself, probably. DJ is a huge potential X-factor. He's been a catalyst for the lineup for years. And ever since the better part of the second half of last year, all the way through to now, with the exception of a little bit of hitting at the very beginning of this year, I mean, he looks lost. And it's scary. It's baffling. So, could it be natural aging? Could it be that he's just finally declining? I I mean, this hard out of nowhere? Uh, It's really, it's hard to imagine. But DJ is definitely a huge X factor. So is Rizzo. I mean, Rizzo's slowed down big time as of late, last week and a half or so, I would say, a couple of weeks. And ever since his couple of hits in LA, Stanton really hasn't done much in this past week, and he's off tonight. I mean, in my opinion, like I've said, especially because of an off day tomorrow, every player should be in there today to win this series against the Red Sox. But what do I know, right? So, but yeah, DJ, I could heavily agree with that, James. Big X factor. At Shell895 asks, what do you think is up with DJ? (laughs) You go, the DJ, the DJ points. Like I just said, I've mentioned a whole bunch of things. I mean, could it be aging, natural decline? It's baffling. Could it be that there's an injury somewhere that he hasn't spoken about or or doesn't even know that's there yet? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think anybody knows. Everybody that I speak to is completely and utterly baffled over what's going on with DJ. So it's no clear-cut, definitive answer. That's the unfortunate part. The Yankees have to figure it out and figure out how to tweak things. One thing is for sure, with a lot of guys slumping, I don't exactly know where where Dylan Lawson is at when it comes to helping these guys out offensively. Even, I spoke about it last week on the show as well, even when it comes to someone like Volpe, who he has a lot of mechanical issues in his swing that a ton of former players who are now broadcasters, Paul O'Neill being one of them, providing brilliant analysis of the situation with Volpe, all of them seem to be able to pinpoint what the problems are in his swing that's led to the slumps that he has experienced. And yet it seems like the Yankees, maybe they are addressing it and Volpe just can't figure it out. Who knows? Nobody really knows unless you're within the organization. But all the points that everyone's pointing out, 
it just seems to be recurring. So I don't know if the Yankees are addressing it. If they aren't, then where the hell is Dylan Lawson? The same genius who took to the media recently and said that he doesn't care about results. The same crap the entire front office and Yankee organization at large spews to the public. It's about the process. Results matter, bro. I don't understand that mindset, how that could even exist. Yeah, your process is important. It leads to the results. But eventually, if you don't get results, you got to change the process. I mean, ultimately, it falls upon the results. That That's what leads to things happening. <laughs> I, I don't understand the lunacy here. That statement, how you could make it to the media, we're not as focused or we don't care about the result. How could you say that and have a job on a professional coaching staff? It's absolutely crazy. It's completely and utterly wild to me. But yeah, on the subject of guys like Volpe and even maybe DJ, who could use maybe a couple of tweaks here and there, who knows? My question is, where's Lawson? Is he doing anything? Are the Yankee hitting coaches helping out? I would hope so. That's really all I got to say about that. I don't. It, it could be a, a variety of different things that I mentioned with DJ. Or he could just be in an extended slump, in which case he desperately needs to snap out of it. He really does. So, oh, Clark's still doing good. I'm looking over now. Top of the fifth, two outs, no one on for the Sox. Still only one run allowed. Pitch count looking pretty decent in the low 70s. So maybe, maybe he goes six. Six innings again. Be decent length out of him. I'd be happy with that. Just keep him off the board. He's doing a good job yet again. Another quality start for him. At Javien114 asks, What moves do you think Cash does at the trade deadline? Now, it's too early to tell. Trade deadline is still maybe a month and a half away, give or take, and so much could happen between now and then. It depends how Rodon looks when he comes back, how badly or not badly of an arm they might need or might not need, and how long Judge is out. If Judge comes back and he's good to go for the future... Well, personally, the move that I keep on seeing everybody's talking about, it'd be nice. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Obviously, depending on who's involved in the deal on the Yankees' end. But a lot of people are talking about acquiring an outfielder, maybe getting Jock Peterson, another left-handed hitter for the lineup, and another real big spark plug. A lot of power from the left side of the plate in Yankee Stadium, no less. Good outfielder. I wouldn't mind Jock being here. So... That's a move that I mainly see everybody else saying. I don't think the Yankees really need to make any moves as far as a reliever. And if Rodon comes back, which this is the most progress he's made in any sort of attempted return so far. So that's good. If they could figure out what's going on with Seve and get Nestor back. We'll see what happens with Nestor as well. But that's why that's what I said. A lot's supposed to happen as far as the outlook of the whole team as we approach the deadline. So... That's a better question to ask as they get a bit closer. But yeah, the move I keep on hearing about, and I definitely wouldn't be opposed to it, adding another left-handed bat, solid outfielder is Jock Peterson. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And it also depends on what's going on with Donaldson before then. How much of a leash he has, what's he, where's he going to be at. So just a lot of, lot of factors. If they want to look at getting an infielder, or if they want to determine what to do with the infield, if they want to stay internally, if Donaldson is no longer a part of it, do you want to start playing Oswaldo in the infield more? Or do you bring up Peraza if you could afford to? Like, it's just a lot could happen. A lot could happen. We got to see as that gets closer. All right, let's keep going. I'll read a few more. At NYY Sports Fan 96 asks Do you think the Yankees could stay afloat without Judge or will they sink like the Titanic? 
I don't think they'll sink like the Titanic. But I think they'll stay around a 500 record-ish. I hope they can, but I, I, I think they will. 500 record I don't think is completely unreasonable. But it's, it's still a task because, you know, you see how different this team is without him. So I don't think they'll sink like the Titanic. But I do think they could, I guess the right terminology is staying afloat or getting by. Like we said, it's the main term. I think they could get by. I do not think they'll excel. I do not think so. But they could get by, and that's the goal. That's what you got to do. Spencer at Musician DMD asks, I prefer the balanced schedule, but one problem is, with some exceptions, uh, I think you got a typo there, Spence. It says they will don't play a game. Yeah, that's definitely a typo. Play a home and road series with some NL teams, for example, the Giants and Reds. In my opinion, for the schedule to be truly balanced, there should be some home and road series against every team like in the NBA or NHL. Here's an idea besides the obvious. Increasing the regular season beyond 162 games. What if Major League Baseball instituted more, perhaps numerous, two-game series? To be real, I see the pluses and the minuses, upsides and downsides, etc. What are your thoughts? I would not extend beyond 162. And this is coming from someone who loves baseball as much as I do. I would not extend beyond 162. The season is plenty long enough as it is. And yeah, I do think it's... Kind of weird how they don't get to, I guess your point was play even road and home series with some of the interleague teams like the Giants and Reds, for instance, like they played in Cincinnati. But, yeah, I mean, I I was fine with the schedule the way it was before, but I, I do think it's interesting having more interleague matchups. Like, I do, I did very much enjoy the series in LA, for instance, against the Dodgers. I think that sort of thing is awesome when the Yankees get to meet more often in the regular season some potential past World Series rivals in the National League. So I think that's cool. I do think it's 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 kind of sad when it takes away some divisional matchups like the Yankees and Red Sox playing each other less often, for, for instance. Because, you know, you can't incorporate more games elsewhere and still keep the amount of divisional matchups there were before because then you would have to extend the season if you wanted to do that because there aren't enough games to properly balance that out. But I, you know, I definitely wouldn't extend the season. I mean, pluses, like you said, for me, it would be more baseball, and I'm not going to shy away from that. But minuses, I mean, the season is already enough of a marathon and a wear and tear on everybody as it is with spring training and the playoffs and the whole thing. If you extend it much more, then you're probably, it's, it's yet a, like another half a month to a month added on. It's just too much. I don't mind having more two-game series. I don't think that that's bad. But extending the season, it's just too much. I don't know, it'd be, objectively, even from someone who loves baseball as much as I do, I I think 162 is enough. Despite how fast it still goes and how much I love the game, I think that's enough. Tina at MountainGal456 asks, What do you think of our outfield right now with no judge? What I mean is, do you think they're doing a good job out there, despite how different our outfield looks right now without him and others that are missing? Thank you, Mike. Well, I think guys like Bowers, whenever they're not covering at first base, because Bowers also plays at first, I think doing a pretty decent job right now. Calhoun's been getting more looks out there. He's out there and right again tonight. And you have McKinney out there. I'm, a, I'm, I've been pretty much a fan of McKinney. Oswaldo does fine out there. So they're, they're okay. I don't really mind. Obviously, it's infinitely better with Judge out there. But they're getting by, I guess. They're doing okay. That's really the one thing they have to worry about doing is they, they got to get by. If they do that. That's fine. Main thing they got to worry about is hitting. <laughs> That's what they got to worry about as far as the outfielders without judge. You got to worry about hitting. Laura underscore Icemont at Laura underscore Icemont. My good friend Laura says, 
The trade deadline is, is a few weeks away. Are there any potential candidates you want the Yankees to go for? Well, again, I think it's a little, it's a little too early. But, again, another potential option that we were talking about before that I mentioned was Jock Peterson. A lot of people mentioning him. And I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Again, would definitely not be opposed to that. It's also a matter of whether the Giants will or won't be willing to sell at the deadline after action today against the Cubs in which they won 13 to 3 they're one game over 500 so if they're if they're not much higher up than that especially considering the competition going on between the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers towards the top of the NL West if they continue to find themselves not really within reason or within a wild card at least right now they're a half a game out of a wild card spot behind the Brewers so if they're still contending in the playoffs they might not be willing to part ways with Jock but he would definitely be, of all the candidates I've heard, unless another one arises going forward, and we'll talk about that when and if it does. But uh, Jock's a good candidate. I would really like him, and it would definitely help add to the outfield. So I'd be for that if I had to say. I'll reiterate Jock, I guess. At debomb.com999 asks, what are the Yankees so against giving Floreal a chance with all the injuries they have? Yeah, I mean, it could be... I mean, yeah, he's had chances up here in the big leagues, albeit sporadic, because he's gotten some looks here and then been on the bench there and and not really had too much consistency. So as far as consistency, he hasn't gotten too much consistent looks or too many consistent looks, rather, in the big leagues, although he's had his chances here and there. Maybe they just don't believe in him, fundamentally, because the moments that he has been up here, yeah, he showcased some good defense at times, especially because he has good speed, so he has good range out there in the outfield. So if he was if he was solid in that sense, they want to give him a potential chance. He'd be solid for outfield help. But he did showcase a lot of strikeouts, which was a concern for him when he was down in the minors before he even got a chance in the major leagues. A lot of scouts talked about he had a high strikeout problem, and we saw a bit of that whenever he did get sporadic shots here and there. But as far as consistently, I, I guess they don't really believe in him. Or it could be a roster thing as well, because do not forget, since they DFA'd him earlier in the year, and he ended up making it through waivers and going back to AAA, he's no longer on the 40-man anymore. So you would either have to move somebody else who was hurt over to the 60-day IL, if possible, or you would have to DFA someone in order for him to be re-added to the 40-man roster. So it could just be a roster thing as well. They might not want to go through all of the whatever it takes to get a 40-man roster spot opened up for him to be re-added to that. Again, they would have to DFA someone or move someone to the 60-day injured list to open up that spot. He's not currently on the 40-man. So it could be a roster thing as well. A little bit of both, maybe. Who knows? So I guess those are the best reasons to rationalize that for you if I had to. So, all right, let's just do, let's do one more here, and then we will... Do the final two, as per usual. My girlfriend and my mother, as always, save the best for last. Not that I think anything less of all of you, but they are objectively my biggest supporters, as I'm sure you can imagine. Next, we have at ProPublic66 asking, do Yankees trade for another outfielder before the deadline? Well, Jock would be that candidate, Jock Peterson, that we've mentioned a few times now. So... Yeah, I guess that would be a potential option if the Giants are willing to sell and if the Yankees could put a deal together that they would accept. So I guess I'll reiterate that. At B2B Seth asks, biggest obvious, not emotional upgrade that they need? Well, as of now, I mean, again, it all depends on Rodon and if Seve figures it out. Because if they do, 
and Nestor comes back again. I know a lot of ifs with the starting rotation, so I guess, especially if it doesn't work out, ultimately they could use another starting arm. But if it happens too, I would say look for an outfield addition. Like I said with Jock Peterson, that's really the main candidate that everyone seems to be really in on and talking about, and I would agree with that. Because especially for whenever the offense is to struggle like this, if anything's to happen, a judge, it can't hurt to have another bat around, especially an outfielder. Because when you lose judge, you're also losing an outfielder and losing his superb defense. Don't forget about that. So, I suppose that would be a pretty needed upgrade. I don't think the bull... I genuinely don't think the bullpen is needed a real solid update. I'm, I'm sticking by that as I have for some time now. But it's either going to be the starting rotation or for the lineup. The outfield overall. If anything's going to need an upgrade, it's going to be the outfield because... The infield, I mean, you have Glaber at second. You have DJ there, especially if he's to figure it out. He can play first, second, or third. You have Rizzo there. Rizzo's great. You hope that he snaps out of the slump that he's in too, but Rizzo's Rizzo. Donaldson doesn't work out. Well, then you have other options. You have Waldo up here if he happens to figure it out as well. If he doesn't figure it out, then you have Oswald Peraza waiting down there if you don't use him in a trade. So they have their internal options when it comes to the infield. So, I guess those would be the upgrades, if you're looking at anything, as objectively as possible. Alrighty, last two. First up, as usual, my girlfriend at Vic Salimo, who just finished up her dance recital tonight. Want to congratulate my amazing dancing girlfriend. Love you, babe. She asks, how do you feel about DJ's performance this season? Do you think he is still as vital as he used to be? Do you feel that he could help carry our offense without judge? And if not, do you feel confident that other players have what it takes to keep us afloat? Yeah, he's definitely still as vital as he used to be. I, I don't think the the importance of him has changed at all. I think just his production has changed in a bad way. And I think that definitely hurts the offense because he has always been viewed as a catalyst. And when he's come up in big situations or really come up at all, he has not been the jump starter or the continuation of a rally for anything. He has not contributed. So... As vital as he used to be, yeah, he is very important. And him slumping right now is a big reason why the offense is doing what it's doing, especially without Judge. So I'll stick by that statement. But he very well could carry it. It's just that he's not. But if he were the DJ that we know from 19 and 20, and even for a chunk of last year, I mean, 21 and 22 weren't what 19 and 20 were, but it still wasn't nearly as bad as this. But... If he was even as good as that, it would be making a massive difference right now. So could he carry them? Yeah, it's a matter of whether or not he'll snap out of this. He's had his couple of days here and there where he hits the ball hard and he runs into some bad luck, hits it right at somebody, and just doesn't work out. He's had multiple balls that have been hit over 100 miles per hour exit velo. But not every hard-hit ball finds grass or ends up being a hit. That's part of baseball, you know? So could he? Very well, yes. And is he still important? Absolutely. The reason that he's not doing everything, it could be a variety of different things as we've run through. But if he were to really pick it up, it'd be making a world of difference. And I am confident that other players have what it takes to keep us afloat. Glaber could keep it going. Rizzo's got to pick it up, and Stanton can do it. Like They have other guys. <laughs> and if guys like Calhoun and Bowers, other surprises like that continue to contribute, and the pitching puts up the performances they have, then... Definitely. 
Just try to stay at least a little bit over 500 while Judge is out, and you'll have done your job collectively as a team, but there's no doubt that certain other guys on offense can and should be contributing more of late in Judge's absence. So I hope that answers your question. All right, last but certainly not least is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero. She says, hope you enjoyed your first week in a prospering career where you are loved and respected, Mikey. I'm proud of you. Thank you, mom. Again, just love like this that I've gotten from everyone. It's amazing. That, those are the kind of messages I've been getting all week. It's awesome. Thank you all so much. My question to you is, why is it that when Aaron Judge isn't in the lineup, this team decides they're going to forget how to hit a ball with a bat? <laughs> Take a nap and slump when they should be proving they're a formidable team, even when Judge cannot play. I've been sick of DJ's performance for a long time now. Rizzo and Stanton are taking it easy now of all times. Love you, Stanton, but you've rested enough. We play the Mets on Tuesday and Wednesday. Please show up for work and hit the damn ball. That's all I have to say. Thanks, Mike. (laughs) Uh, Said like only my mom can say. (laughs) I love it. Thank you for the reply, Mom. But yeah, listen, we've spoken about it. Just goes to show you how important Judge is. Is it right? And is it okay? No. Because the rest of the team should still be able to pick up the slack. And even if not everybody is going to be hitting like crazy when he's out, they should at least have some guys who step it up and help contribute. It's really tough. Yeah, they don't choose when to slump necessarily, but it is very detrimental for the team when they all happen to be slumping at the same time just when they happen to not be able to afford to when their leader is out. And it goes back to what I was saying at the start of the show. It's fine to expect Judge to be a leader and lead the pact to hopefully a championship someday. But is it fair to expect him to do it all by himself? No, I don't care if you're Aaron Judge, Barry Bonds, some of the best players ever, Babe Ruth, whoever you want to come up with, Lou Gehrig, Mickey Mantle, any other, you know, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, doesn't matter. It's unreasonable to ask of any single human being to solely lead the way all throughout with nobody else helping out, doing little to nothing to contribute. It's just unreasonable. So... It's the rest of the team's job whenever things do happen because it happens. It happens. Injuries happen to Judge, to a lot of other guys. So, and before this, not really to Judge in the last three years, but you you get the point. Anyways, it happens. So it's on the rest of the team who are also there every single day doing their thing to pick up the slack. And I guess they just, he means that much to them because, like I said, they just lose most of or all of their identity. It's absolutely bizarre what happens to these people when Judge is not playing. And they gotta figure it out. Yeah, DJ, Rizzo, Stanton, and even someone like Donaldson who you're expecting to put some work in with the bat, even though he didn't really last year and wasn't really in the very brief amount of time to start the season before he got hurt. And Glaber's gotta keep it up the way he has. And hopefully guys like Willie and Bowers and, you know, guys like that contribute, surprisingly still. I mean... They gotta, they gotta keep it going. They have to. They gotta figure it out. It's not good that they lose everything when he's out. It's not, not a good sign, as far as truly how respectable the team is. Gotta figure it out. But I guess that's the ultimate answer. It's just we see how important he is. Doesn't mean it's a good thing or that it's okay. But that's the answer. He, he is just that important. <laughs> that's why they do it. I guess that's why. All right, <laughs> almost two hours again. Oh my god, I'm sorry I can never shut up, guys. <laughs> it is just after eight thirty. Clark Schmidt was just taken out of the game after his final card for today. Yankees are still winning two to one. 
I haven't really said much about the game in live time because the sixth inning got to react in live time to uh, and go pretty deep into the game after all today. But Clark Schmidt was just taken out of the game, five and a third, four hits, one run, no walks, four strikeouts, another respectable start for Clark Schmidt. Good job by him. Five and a third of just one run ball. Yankees still up 2-1 in the sixth. Hopefully they could hold it down. And they could take the series best two out of three heading into tomorrow's off day. And then take it to the Mets and the Red Sox again this coming week. And then after them, obviously you have the Mariners and the Rangers the following week after Father's Day. So, but again, one game at a time. Lock this one down. Win the series best two out of three, especially because you just lost the last series against the White Sox best two out of three. And at least even out this homestand. And have that to ride on going into the off day. They don't have to travel after today because they're just going right over to City Field on Tuesday. So that's good. But just win this game today. Let's hold it down. And that's where we're at as of now, guys. So with that being said, I want to thank all of you for submitting your questions. As always, I love the social media segment. You guys are always awesome the way you interact. Keep it up every week, my friends. And I also, of course, want to thank you all once again for staying with me through another marathon of a Yapping Yankees episode here for episode 185 today. If you do not follow me on all social medias as of yet, please be sure to do so. Facebook fan page, Mike Scudero NY. Twitter is at Mike Scudero. And Instagram is at Mike Scuds. 97. Subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it is available on. That's YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Leave a like and show your love as you always do, my good people. And if you have the time, listen to any of the past Yapping Yankees episodes you might have missed. Episodes 34 up to episode 185 today are all on YouTube. And every single Yapping Yankees episode going back four years, all the way back to episode one up to episode 185 today. Those are all available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Once again, though, I thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today. As always, my friends, I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you in two Sundays. Again, no episode next Sunday for Father's Day, so two Sundays, June 25th, when I come at you with episode 186 of yapping Yankees. But until then, guys, you know the deal, especially when it comes to Judge being out. Hang in there, be patient, (laughs) and stay safe and look out for your loved ones as well. Go ahead and kick life's ass this and next week. And let's hope the Yankees can secure this win today, do well for the next two weeks. Let's see some more guys return from injury, guys like Bader and Hamilton, see guys like Rodon get closer. Let's get more positive news on Aaron Judge, please, about what hopefully will be a return in the very near future. Let's hope. Let's hope that injection worked out and all that good stuff. Continue to get guys back from injury. Stay afloat while Judge is out. Let's hit the ball some more. Let's get some W's, man. That's what it's all about. Just take care of business one game at a time. Let's secure this win tonight. Again, bottom of the sixth now. As I leave you, 2-1 to Yankees against the Red Sox. Lock this one up, and let's get some Ws in the next two weeks, and hopefully we could have ourselves yet another mostly positive episode. Obviously, there's probably going to be some negatives inevitably sprinkled into there in this marathon of the season next time we speak, but let's hope that it's at least majorly positive for the next time we speak. It'll be the end of June, which is crazy to think about. The season will probably be about halfway over by then, and we'll see where we're at come then. Hopefully Judge is closer to being back, if not already back, probably just closer to being back. And the Yankees will keep on moving along, getting by, doing their thing. 
We'll see. Again, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Hope you all enjoy your day. I know I'll enjoy my day with mine next Sunday, and I will talk to you in two Sundays on the 25th. Take care, and let's go Yanks. Yanks.